Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. Kelsey, we've been it's been a week since we've got a chance to talk to everybody. We've had a good amount going on in the NBA playoffs, hockey playoffs. There's a lot going on in the sports world. And you know what? I think it's just going to keep getting better. I think we're going to have a pretty fun, controversial-type show as well, too, going back to some of our roots, if you will. Yeah, you know, we're going to spice it up a little bit, go back to our – you know, we've done a lot of recaps. Uh, we've done a lot of rants, uh, it's safe to say. You know what we haven't done in a while, though, is those those fancy rankings, those rankings that I always manage to cheat myself into. But every time, I think this time, I think this time I might follow the rules for the first time. Well, you know, uh, there, there's still a lot to be seen as well, too. We'll have to see if that one plays out. Or maybe I'll break a rule this time. Nah, probably not. But you know what? That is, we're going to get a little bit of all three of those in this episode today as well, too. Holding true to our mantra this time. So stick around for all three of those. But you know what? We're going to keep things homeostasis. We're going to start things off with the recaps. And those recaps are going to be part of our first quarter topic which is also known as the tip-off presented by dr squatch smell like a man feel like a champion all the wonderful men's grooming need you go and click the link in our bio smell like a man you won't regret it for the special someone in your life and your skin will thank you for it so we mentioned it's been a week a lot's happened in the nba playoffs we are now in conference championships but we gotta take one step back and talk about some of those second round games because my goodness there was some interesting ones that i guess you could say that played out as well too i'm gonna start with one of the earliest ones that ended I'm going to look at the 76ers when they took on the Miami Heat as well, too. And this one was, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but this one I call this the seesaw. This this, this was the seesaw um, seesaw matchup. The first two games, felt like Miami was going to run right through. It was going to be a, a four-game sweep, maybe a five-game gentleman sweep. That's kind of what the look was. Next two games, the Joel Embiid comes back with a broken face and an injured hand, and suddenly they, they win two in a row, and James Harden looks like James Harden again. Then games five and six, and after the MVP was announced as being Nikola Jokic, we saw it kind of swing right back towards Miami, who just ran away with it after that. Joel Embiid was not himself. James Harden took two shots in the second half of that game six and looked like a ghost of the ghost of the ghost of the beard of James Harden at that point. He looked James Harden without a beard or hair. Like I don't even I don't even know how to describe what that one was. So, what was your takeaway from that series as well, too? That set up this East, this they sent the Heat to the conference championship. I mean, I think it starts starts with what you mentioned, James Harden being the ghost of the ghost of the ghost. I talked about this last week when Max was on the show. I, I think it's time we all just admit the fact that this guy is not who he once was. He's no longer the beard. He's no longer to fear the beard. It's no longer any of that. It's it is just James. I'm out here making a paycheck, Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's again. He just looks so old. Looks so down and and and. Man, get, get I need Joel Embiid to have a consistent running mate. That's what I need. Yeah. I forget trust the process. Like the the process was great for one year. Uh, then Markel Fultz, obviously, you traded him away. Ben Simmons started getting injured, and and now we're like Joel Embiid carry us. And honestly, he did he did everything he could to be a superhero. And unfortunately, he's being left with, you know, the void basically as James Harden there, and and it's just like. It's, it's rough. You're basically playing five on four offensively with, with James Harden out there. It's not, that's not good. And defensively, especially you're playing five on four. I mean, it's like, wow, this is, what are you supposed to do out here? I mean, I, I don't, I, I've been harsh on Joel Embiid a lot. And, and I, you know, I'm usually the guy that says I, I, I choose Jokic over Embiid, but this year I, I can't take anything away from Embiid. He should have gotten the MVP in my opinion. Um, but you know what? If, Man, this was rough to watch, and and good for the Heat. This is just proves that the Heat, that fight the Heat had earlier in the season, that this was a momentum builder. That fight was just like getting the jitters out. We talked about it, all the good teams in the world don't get along. Like every great team in the world has had some kind of scuffle. I think back to the Doc Rivers, the the, the Boston Tea uh, Three Party, if you will. They had a scuffle night in and night out, and they had a scuffle during practices. It's gotten so bad that th- now they don't even talk to Ray Allen because he went to the Heat, like. That that's like the level of don't get along for good teams, and and the Heat showed that that they're like, hey, we don't have to get along to win. Like we can we can have our differing opinions, but at the end of the night, 
we all know what we need to do to get to a championship. And it's it's good for them for getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. But for the Sixers, man, that was a rough watch. It's, it's adversity is a prerequisite for success. And you know what? Sometimes it has to be a little self-induced adversity, I guess, as well. So you're not getting enough of it from outside. And the one thing I want to point out with the 76ers, you were right on James Harden. We agree on that one as well, too. He did not look like himself. He doesn't look. He looks like if we were ranking players, he'd be towards the t- the twenties, if that makes sense. Like I don't think he'd make the top ten or fifteen at this point. Well. I don't think he makes the twenties, honestly. I think he's like a fringe forty player at this point in time. Like it's a it's a rough go. I, I still give him credit for the passing and stuff like that, but I agree with you. Like he he can't get away from people like he used to. He can't get any space and he can't draw fouls the same way. Like as you said it basically throughout this year, he has not really adjusted his game to the new level as well. Too maybe he's injured and we don't know about it. We'll find out next year if somebody pays him, but. If he's asking for that super super max, I'm like, nah, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away from that one. I, I'll, I'll give you a good max, James, but I'm not giving you the turbo max or whatever they call yeah. it now as well. Too like you're, you'll get a hundred mil, but you're not getting three hundred from me. Like that's where I set, I set on that one. Joel Embiid, we agreed on that one. We in our episode, I thought he was MVP. I still think he's the best center in basketball, arguably as well. Too, I think he is fantastic. That was a really – I did not like his performance in games five and six of that series as well, too. I felt like – I know he's dinged up, obviously. Like, we agree on that one. I just – I didn't like the effort. I didn't like – he was he was like – he was settling for contested mid-range shots with two people on him as opposed to just passing out of it like he was, He didn't – he looked like he was mentally a little bit out of it. And, obviously, he knows more than I do. So, like, it's there's a lot to it. But he did not – compared to what we saw in games three and four when he's coming fresh off the broken face compared yeah. to afterwards, that's why I was a little bit like – I'm not saying he tanked it because the, he didn't get the MVP, but he definitely – he did not look like himself. He looked a little bit like he was distracted, to say the least. I almost wonder if, like, the, the face injury was just, like, one of those things. You come back from it. The first two games, you're so pumped up on, on like, adrenaline. You're, you're flowing. And then, like, you realize you're still doing it by yourself. And you're, you're struggling to breathe in the second and third quarters instead of the third and fourth quarters. And you're just like, you know what? I'll wait till next season. Hmm. Hopefully, hopefully the process will work next season. Like maybe I wonder if that had a little bit to do with it, along with the hand. I mean, that stuff wears on you eventually. Obviously, I don't think they fully played all the part in it. I don't want to like be that guy that says it, but you know, it definitely didn't help. That is for sure. Yeah, like it's definitely it was definitely odd to see just the complete like here's a cliff that he's going, 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 and then boom, it's like wow, okay, where'd you go, Joel? Like I'm sorry, what? But yeah, no, it is a little unique. You mentioned it too. It's like, hey, Karius again. We can't. We can't be. We'd be remiss not to mention Tobias Harris. Where where has he been at? Like, I mean, I know he's the third. He's kind of the third wheel. I know he's not the high volume score. He's kind of that do it all three and D guy that can kind of create his own shot. You got to be able to get twenty points for him in a game with how much you're paying him. You got to get a little consistency. Like he has to be able to at least one time in the series just randomly get you like twenty five. And Grant Williams did it for the Celtics, which we'll talk about that series here shortly. You got to get something more from Tobias Harris and. Even Jimmy Butler, after I think it was Game Six, in the hallway yelling, "They chose him over me," and th- that sort of thing as yeah. well. So it's like you got to get more from Tobias Harris. I'm not. It's obviously James is a fault. Obviously, Embiid is a fault. But we can't just gloss over Tobias Harris as well. Too he, with how much they're paying him and how big of a cog in the system he's supposed to be, he's the one that really lets Joel Embiid go to work as that versatile four guy. He's got to be able to create some of his own shots and beat. He has to be able to step into that into that sidekick role when James Harden is struggling, if that makes sense. Maybe not every single time because James Harden, as we mentioned, struggles a lot more than normal now. But he's got to be able to occasionally like just have a game where he takes over, something like that. We did yeah. not see that really at all in this playoffs that I can see. Yeah, no, I mean, like the first two games of the Heat series, he gave you 27 and 21. Uh, but again, to your point, after that, it was 9, 13, 12, 14. We got you some, re- and got you some rebounds. fell off a cliff. Yeah, like he got you some rebounds, but it was just like he got you empty calorie rebounds. Like this is these these are just you know we're moving it because obviously they just took up a stupid shot type of rebound. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean you can't pay a man that much money and and him not be a little bit effective. Uh, then again, I mean I say the same thing, and I'm looking at James Harden directly and being like, well, James Harden, mm. where are you at? And then on the reverse of all of that, look at Tyrese Maxey, a guy who is being well underpaid for the value he's bringing, and he's out here absolutely trying his best to be the Robin to, uh, to, to the, to the, to the Batman of Joel Embiid. And truthfully, he was the best, he was the second best player, maybe the best player overall for that throughout the series. He was the best player in the series for the Sixers. Like I, for through all of it, he was almost always consistent. I think he had one bad game and that, but he would never, never lacked effort. He was always there. You saw him at the end of the series. He was basically in tears. He was so emotional because he gave it his all and had to see yeah. it slip away. So that, 
if Tyrese Maxx can take maybe that next step, maybe he can fill that Robin role and that turns Harden and Tobias and do like the three and four, three, four kind of ancillary pieces. That that team gets real dangerous. And if you can, because even with Harden's drop off and Tobias's inconsistencies, when they're not your second, when they're not arguably your two A and two Bs, it's not quite as bad when they're sitting at those three and four spots because Tyrese Maxey is, as you mentioned, that co-pilot. So maybe if Tyrese Maxey takes that next step next year, the Sixers in the process, the process fulfilled, if you will, I guess as well. Yeah, and, and to, to your point about Tyrese Maxey, he had one bad game, and that was the game they got knocked 120 to 85. He played 32 minutes. If you take that game out of the equation, the rest of the series, the rest of those playoffs, he averages almost 40 minutes a game, Tyrese Maxey. And he's giving you about 20 points a game consistently. I mean, it's about 20 to 22. I mean, it varies a little bit just because of the some of the blowouts. But, yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, that's – give this guy some credit where it's due. I mean, hopefully you're right. Hopefully hopefully this is the, the next step in the process as Tyrese Maxey steps up and then, you know, that helps out. Maybe you get a couple shooters back again um, from somewhere. I don't know where – you keep shipping off shooters at this point in time. I don't know where you're going to keep getting them from. You mentioned shooters. I do want to point out the most hilarious part about this whole thing. The James Harden for Ben Simmons trade, the best player out of that trade so far has been Seth Curry. He's been the best player involved in that trade, and no one's talk, no one talks about it as well, too, because we haven't seen Ben play, and we've, we kind of wish we hadn't seen James Harden play minus one game where he gave you 30 other than that. so I, I wish I didn't see James Harden play. Okay, <laughs> well too, but, so that, that'll do it for that series. We're going to go on and move on to, we kind of alluded to, I think we should just jump right into it, the other Eastern Conference matchup as the Bucks took on the Celtics. And in my opinion... This might have been the best series of the entire playoffs so far as well, too. I know the f- game six and seven kind of were a little bit, especially game seven was kind of a blowout down the stretch because the Celtics would not miss from three and the Bucks couldn't hit the backboard. But my goodness, what a fantastic back and forth series in the Celtics, proving they are for real on top of that as well, too. So I'm going to toss it to you first as well, too. What When you watch that series, what kind of stuck out to you? Uh, well, okay, first of all, I stand by everything I said about Robert Williams. When <laughs> that man came back in the lineup, that team got completely dominant down low defensively with that said though with him out of the lineup I would have never thought Al Horford would be as dominant as he was (laughs) but Al Horford absolutely played like a monster honestly Al Horford give that man credit you want to talk about a guy that's had himself a playoff dude's looking like he's 24 I mean he looks like he looks he looks like the Atlanta Hawks Al Horford that was about to get max contract he That's looks what like he looks Florida like. Al Horford that carried Joe Kim Noah on his back twice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really. It's this Al Horford is playing out of his mind right now defensively and offensively to 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 what he does well. Like he's not going to give you points. He's not that guy anymore. But he is going to be the guy that gets you boards, gets you extra chance possessions, and he's going to be the guy that makes the right play every time. And he does that, and you see it. And it's like it befuddles guys like Giannis, and it befuddles you know, God forbid, Thanasis is in there. Then it definitely like the befuddlement is is an understatement um, for what it does to Thanasis, but it's you know it, what he does is is just different for a big man. Uh, you know he is a Rajon Rondo of a power forward. If it is, it is really the best way I can describe it, he is crafty when he gets to get goes to getting buckets, but honestly, his best part of his game is his vision and passing. Absolutely, and I do want to kind of point out one interesting thing too is. They the Bucks really needed Chris Middleton in this series. You could tell this was the yeah. series they needed Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's a really good all-star caliber player, but he has the ability to just create his own shot in the half-court offense, which the Bucks had absolutely none of besides Giannis, please save us. There's literally every single time down the court, it seemed like Mike Budenholzer just called Giannis get the ball and freight train yeah. through people, maybe you and just be Giannis basically. And it's great. I mean, it'll win you three games against the best defensive team in basketball, clearly, because he is that good, but this goes back to when we did, if anyone listened to us on Colorcast last year throughout the playoffs, this was our biggest gripe every single game, even when they were winning. The coaching for Mike Boonholzer really, it lacked creativity. It, it was very predictable and questionable as well. Drew Holiday struggled a little bit with his shot, but he still gave you moments. Get Giannis the ball like in the post. Get him moving off the ball and get him attacking before he gets the ball. Don't make it, give him the ball, have him dribble, then sprint into the wall they're building. You got to find ways to get him off the ball. Get him in the post. They bring the double team. He could pass out of it. Problem is, once he's going downhill, it's hard for him to pass out of it because, honestly, it's kind of – that's just how he's – once he's downhill, it's pretty much over. That's the only thing that's happening. He does his best when he's not going 1,000 miles an hour. They didn't do anything to help him. They said, Giannis, please save us. Drew Holiday had some good moments. Brooke Lopez had a couple here and there. Bobby Portis was really rough. Grayson Allen, they, they, he that this was not his best series. He was much better against Chicago than this one. It was bad. but Missed very, like, very, very often from three. Like, he was – questionable from the three-point line 
exactly. It was a it was a very rough series for them offensively. It was I I'm not gonna I'm not trying to say belittle a championship winning head coach, but this was not his finest performance. This might have been one of his worst coaching performances we've seen. Even going back to like Atlanta and before the championship as well. So this one he just you're going against a young head coach with the best defensive team in basketball, and you didn't change the strategy once. Or if you did, it was it looked exactly the same as far as all right, dribble handoff turns into a screen, maybe pull a three, or Giannis save us. There was no was, there's nothing. It was the like, exact same play calling that it was last year. I mean, it was that same hook screen with that they they if if Giannis didn't carry the ball up, he'd run off like basically he'd run from the bot the baseline up, set it like get the ball, hand get his hand off on the from the, the on the top, get a screen set and start driving to the paint. And if it wasn't him doing that, he was setting the screen because he brought the ball up for Drew Holiday on a handoff screen. And, and then he started to roll to the basket. And again, it never worked. And honestly, you want to talk about stat lines and like things that impact a game and talk about coaching. Like to me, plus minus is a big coaching stat because it tells you how good you are using your players in certain situations. Brooke Lopez is minus 10.7 in the plus minus. The only player for the Milwaukee Bucks that was a positive plus minus was Javon Carter, who didn't play in every game. But Brooke Lopez, a minus 10.7, when he is such a dominant three-point shooting big man, as well as down, get the man down low and watch him work. And yet you couldn't do that. You couldn't get him against a smaller, much smaller or skinnier, whether it be Grant Williams, Robert Williams, or Al Horford, any one of those guys, Brooke Lopez should dominate down low. But yet you didn't put him in positions to dominate. You had Drew Holiday at minus 6.9, not helping anything. And then on the flip side of things, I mentioned Grant Williams. You mentioned Grant Williams earlier, too. Talk about a guy who had himself a heck of a playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and name you off putting guys in right positions for the for the Celtics. This is what this is what they're, this is what coaching can do for you. Derek White led the Celtics for the plus 9.7. Al Horford, plus 7. Jason Tatum, plus 7. Grant Williams, plus 3. Jawan Morgan, plus 3. Tell me out of those top five guys, who's the guys you would have expected in plus top top of the plus minus? I can name two of them. Al Horford and Jason Tatum, because this is like, why is Grant Williams up there? Why is why is uh, Derek White up there as dominant in the game? And they just that's what your coaching can do for you, especially that game seven where uh, Williams just casually dropped a sweet twenty five and was what, shot like nineteen threes and was on fire as well too. So Grant Williams really, why are you leaving? Why is he the one you leave open? And why is he the one you're putting like him and Derek White, the guy you're putting Brooke Lopez on when they're sm- when they're splashing threes at a ridiculous pace as well too? So. That was the thing that really stuck out to me in that series. A fantastic job by the Celtics continuing to take that next step, proving they are legit as well, too. Like they, We talked about it when I gave him a Doka Coach of the Year during our award thing. Since 2022 became a thing, they have been an absolute horse. Like They have been dangerous. They've been, a, they've, been a, they've been the boulder from Indiana Jones going downhill, and they've destroyed everything in their path as well, too. And they've taken out arguably two of the best players in the world on the way while doing it. And then game one against the Heat, they came out like gangbusters without Al Horford, without Marcus Smart. Unfortunately, when the Heat had most of their horses, they were missing Kyle Lowry, obviously, but they had the rest of their team that proved a little bit too much. And playoff Jimmy Butler's a little something different as well, too. That's he's a little something different. So that series was I'm I'm curious. I hope the Eastern Conference finals can actually live up to what that matchup was, because that was quite the matchup. But I do think Chris Milton's in that series is just a little bit different, just because he can occasionally create an own shot. It's not just Giannis, please save us by running into a brick wall constantly. And he had himself a hell of a series, though, nonetheless. He we'll talk a little bit more about Giannis later, but he still had a heck of a series and a losing effort as well, too. So like, Yeah, and, and you know it's funny. We didn't even talk about Jason Tatum and, and a heck of a series he had. Oh, we're and, gonna talk and, about both of them later. Yeah, I was like we're we're I'm sure we're gonna get to that guy later, but it's worth mentioning here while we're talking about the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, that dude had himself a, 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 a getting to the Eastern Conference finals, he had himself a, a heck of a time. Absolutely, and then we'll jump on over now to the Western Conference mm-hmm. finals or Western Conference matchups. Just for a quick little recap, there we'll start with Golden State and Memphis. We kind of talked about this one at nauseum, especially once John Moran went down. They for somehow the Grizzlies absolutely blew the brakes off of Golden State in Game Five, beat them by I think is forty. But Steven then after Adams. that, it was was that thirty five. No, no, no. Stephen Adams is the reason why. <laughs> Either way, like Stephen Adams came in and made plays, but then the Warriors took care of business. Not too much surprise. We've kind of talked about that one. Don't have too much to say. We kind of. Once John Moran went down, we knew it was a matter of time. We knew the Warriors just had to catch fire for a game. So, like, kind of what we expected. But I'm going to look at that other game that took place. We're going to fast forward a little bit just to get us going. The Mavericks and the Suns. Who picked the Mavericks to win this series? Uh, everybody but me, it feels like. 
Well, no, because I no, they're tra- they're revisionist history. Then at this point, it is. Well, no I'm just saying. Theme. I'm saying. I'm saying. Last last week, everybody picked it but me, and yeah. I picked. I picked the. I picked the Suns to win that one, and that did not work for me. I I was surprised that not only that the Suns lost, but the fact that Luca almost single handedly outscored them by himself in Game Seven. Like, how do you? He po- he's posting up DeAndre, and he's flying by Devin Booker. He's ripping three pointers. Incredible performance, Chris Paul. And I saw this joke on ESPN as well, too. Like, since someone told him you were 37 years old, he has played like he is 37 years old. He had a miserable down the stretch. And I'm going to kind of go into this really quickly before we go into our next segment. Patrick Beverly spe- literally woke up as soon as I was over and was like, I choose violence, and then packed a goodie bag and went to ESPN to trash on Chris Paul since that point. I want to get your take on this because you're not shy when it comes to when someone needs to get ragged on. And I know you got some words for Pat Bev right now. Okay, first of all, who wakes up at 4.30 in the morning – with death on their mind for a guy who you didn't even play in a series for a couple of months at this point in time. Like you haven't played the, 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 the last time you really played Chris Paul, that it meant something you shoved him in the back and got yourself ejected. Like that's how the, the, you just talk trash about a dude that works you like a wet rag doll. And, and you just talk trash about the guy. Like, you know, the business, like, I'm sorry, Pat Bev, but last time you, no, no, you're not the one. To talk about that guy, first of all, you are the degrade baby's kids, Chris mm-hmm. Paul. Like you are not even worthy of being in the conversation of Chris Paul's whether he's good or not. Secondly, he totally wasn't that far wrong. Like in the actual conversation of the piece, Chris Paul can't guard a lot of point guards. Isn't actually a wrong statement. Not it's, at all. It's... Not at all. His defense is a little bit overblown because of the steals. He is John Stockton, but a little bit, a little bit more gifted, if you could say. He's he's a great center fielder. When he get, so here's the thing: he always gets switched off on screens and ends up on a three, a defensive three guy. Like he ends up in the corner usually def- defending somebody. And so what he'll do is he'll sneak around, like honestly, like Jose Alvarado does off the baseline, but he does it in the middle of a play, and he'll sneak on sneak in on a backside still. And that's how that's what he does. And that's what he does well. And he's always done that well. That's been his entire career. He has not been the guy that I want to lock up one on one with a top tier point guard ever. I, I will I've never thought that that's Chris Paul. And I never will think that's Chris Paul. So when Pat Bev said that, it's like he's restating the facts that we already know. That's kind of why I don't like what Pat Bev had to say. But in his actual context, he's not completely wrong in saying that, yeah, Chris Paul is old. He is slower. He doesn't guard people as well. But you can't negate his offensive abilities, Pat Bev. Like, what he does offensively more than makes up for it defensively. And let's be honest, when you talk about a point guard, you're not talking about your most defensive player in today's day and age. We're not talking the old school John Stockton, who could actually lock up a guard. Or we're not talking John Starks, who could actually lock up a guard. Like, we're not talking those guys. We're talking Allen Iverson. We're in that era where we're just like, it's offensive only. We're not talking Chauncey Billups. So it's, that's the weight here is like, I, yeah, Pat Bev, don't, don't be the one talking crap, but like, you're not totally wrong. And it hurts me to say that. Like, he's not totally wrong, but. That part he was right as far as Chris Paul's defense is, he's never been a lockup type of guy. He's been a guy that's thrived off the steals and that's got him a lot of those first team all defense that are those defensive teams, that sort of thing. Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, the new age of athletic point guards, a lot, even going back to Chris Paul at the Clippers, they've always been kind of going at him as well, too. We already kind of knew that, as you mentioned as well, too. But you can't say it with such blatant vitriol and hate in your heart as well, too. You could tell that wasn't just basketball, basketball That's, worth all. He was saying that from a dangerous place in his soul. When you freeze frame different yeah. parts of that before he talks, you could see fire catching his pupils and steam come out of his ears as well, too. Like That was not meant with a... And that wasn't an analytical breakdown. That was a pure no. firestorm that he managed to transform into, but he managed to get the point across in that one regard. Yeah, it was. It's it's so funny to watch. Like honestly, yeah, if you guys haven't seen the 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 video, the, he did a great. I give him credit. He did a great job acting like he wasn't being like completely hurt. Like he wasn't being a butt hurt baby about it. But like at the end of the day, he's a small child talking about a guy who has beat him up his entire career. But Pat Bev has not had a single series over Chris Paul that I could ever think of, period, like across the board. Talk about a former teammate, too. This man used to get worked in practice for fun by Chris Paul. He's trying to tell you it's the other way from an old college camp as well, too. But, of course, I don't have the answer to that, so I don't know. But Oh, yeah, maybe in college. 
you tell me Chris Paul in college, the guy who went to Wake Forest with a chip on his shoulder, who then worked himself into a first-round pick and knew he was a first-round pick, is going to care about Pat Bev, who everybody says is undrafted, and he's just like, whatever, in a camp that doesn't matter before the draft. Hmm. Like, your only job in those camps is to just, like, showcase in the one-on-one, in the, in the, in the no-man drill, like when you're playing by yourself, where there's just figures. There's not humans out there. Like, you don't want to get hurt before the draft. Like, of course, Pat Bev probably got one over on him because Pat Bev's that guy. Pat Bev's also the same guy that injured Russell Westbrook. You know, he so, like, what are we talking about here? Like, I mean, you're talking about a guy who just doesn't know when to shut it off. He's the Greg Schiano of NBA players. Ooh, that's a name. If anyone who knows that one, the real ones know that name as well, too, going way back in, going way back in the archive book on that one as well, too. So as we get to round out this tip-off, i got to toss it to you now. So the Heat and the Celtics, the Mavs and the Warriors. The Mavs and the Warriors are going on right now. It's Heat up one nothing on the Celtics. Who do you got? Who's playing in the NBA Finals? Man, I was wrong earlier. I don't even – like both of these I picked before are gone, so now I get a, I get a fresh choice, and I'm going to mess it up anyways. Um you know what? Because I love anarchy, give me Jason Tatum versus Luka Doncic. You just did actually want to pick the opposite of what I picked as well, too. So that's even perfect. Pick, yeah, well, yeah, okay, that works too. But yeah, like give me the anarchy in this one. You know, I love that matchup, seeing those two go to head-to-head where it'd be absolutely beautiful. Just everybody else get out of the way. Just let these two go to work. Jalen Brown, go sit this one out. Jalen Brunson, go sit this one out. Like, this is a one-on-one series, guys. We're going to let this happen as well, too. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the Celtics win that series. But yeah, it's like... I think it goes seven either way, though. I think just because Luca can't guard Jason Tatum, but oh, it depends on what well, well, Jason can guard him either. He might get one stop, and that's all he needs, really. So that's how yeah, that game's going. I will say I'm sticking with the Golden State in Miami, although the role Luca is on, that, I'm a little more nervous about that one as well too. I mean, I I was hoping to be like, yay, my my start of the playoffs predictions right, but that one has me pretty nervous. I'm not gonna lie, that one has me a scratch in my beard a little bit. Like, oh, they got to find a way to stop Luca. Who's on that team is stopping Luca? Like, here's my luck. question. Who gets ejected first, Luca or Draymond? Plot twist: They both get simultaneously ejected from double T's and not stopping. <laughs> it's the only fitting way to answer that question. It's going to be Steph is the first one ejected. <laughs> of all the people that could get ejected, it's going to be Steph or Jackie Moon. It's going like to be Steve Kerr in his first game back after being out, and or Mike Brown just gets ejected right when Steve Kerr comes back as well. It's like what? You're, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, no. getting a jump start started ahead in Sacramento as well. So that'll do it for the tip off here as well to recapping some of the NBA games so far. But Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a we talked a lot about Luka Doncic and a lot about Jason Tatum. That kind of wants us to transition here into our main event. And our main event, of course, presented by In The Clutch Apparel. Go ahead and click the link in our bio. Head over there. Use code HighLowSports. Get yourself some nice gear as well, too. And you don't want to – they have some really high-quality stuff there, especially for sports fans. So definitely go check them out as well. The reason I, we made that transition is we kind of want to talk about it. The best player in the world has been – Kobe, LeBron, a little bit of Steph, and a little bit of Kevin Durant for the greater part of the last 20 years, really. Like it's been between two two guys, then sprinkles of like Steph and Katie, depending on who you talk to in there. Now it's a little bit more wide open in these last, what'd you say, 24 months or so. It's kind of really opened up as well. So we kind of want to talk about the top five NBA players in the game right now. So your past accolades have very, very little to do with it. We're talking about this season and going forward as well, too. So there's a little projection, but mostly based on what is happening right now. And Kelsey, I think uh, I think we're gonna have some lists that are gonna intrigue you. They're gonna be a little bit intriguing. I think there's gonna be some prizes on both sides. Yeah, look, I, that, there's gonna be some. I have one old head on 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 my list, and it's gonna surprise probably no one that he makes this list just because. Well, it is who it is, but I think there's gonna be some for the other five for the other four picks. I think uh, we're gonna have some some differing opinions and some guys that might surprise some people. Yeah, well, do you would you like to tip us off on this one? You feeling pretty good about that? You know what? Might as well. Might as well. So I'm going to start with number five, the old head I just mentioned. Well, his name is LeBron James. And here's the reason why. 
if you watch his career and watch his watch not just his career, his his season, when this man wanted to do something like oh I don't know, let's say average thirty points in a season, he went on a completely dominant streak of just putting up points like nobody could stop him. Ends the season 30, 30.3 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, 6.2 assists in only 56 games. On top of that, he shot 52.4% from the field, 36% from three, which isn't his worst, but it's also not his best. And thankfully, thankfully, somehow, climbed his free throw percentage up to 76%, which I don't know how he got it up to 76%, but he did. <laughs> and that's what 30 points a, a, a game average meant, for, meant to him this season. So LeBron proved that when he wanted to do something, he could still. And it was like, obviously, we're not talking about the LeBron of the old days that like flip a switch, the, du- the dude's in- instantly goat conversation. Like, this is LeBron flip a switch and he's got like a quarter, maybe quarter and a half worth of goat conversation within him before he just completely like falls off a cliff. But look, I got to still give him credit. He's still one of the best players in the world when it comes down to it. And that's why LeBron, it, for me, I still have him at number five. But it's a very close list for some of the uh, for some of my my guys that I had falling off this list to not replace LeBron on this. How weird does it feel that we're saying he's at like five now, when the majority of our of the last fifteen twenty years he's been one or two or maybe three at the worst as well. Today, feel he's perennially up there, usually one or two. And now the question is, is he five or is he an honorable mention? Like, where does he sit in the, that area? It's kind of, it's still kind of kind of surreal to talk about. Yeah, look, it's it's it reminds me a lot of MJ, obviously, when he in his Wizards days, where he. MJ had to just become a scorer at that point in time. That's all he could do to help that that Wizards team, except for when he played Kobe. And when he played Kobe, well, that just was a different level of MJ. But that's my point, is that when he wanted to do something, he was he proved himself still being the greatest player as a, as a 40-year-old man checking some 24-year-old future guy that we look at as saying, that dude changed the game in, in, in the mama mentality in, in Kobe. And so, like, he still could do it. And LeBron is in that same vein where it's just like yeah i don't want to for 45 games but those last 11 games i got you guys don't worry it's, now we need to translate into wins moving forward next year as well too as well so well definitely i see that one so who do you have at number four definitely starting this one off with a little bit of a banger yeah so so obviously number five lebron number four is a man that will forever first be remembered as jumping on the scene by dunking on my number five and that's lebron and that is Jason Tatum, who, by the way, I still will never forget his Instagram post. Like, hey, LeBron, would you, can I get a de- jersey someday or a signature someday? Mm-hmm. And LeBron just completely ignored it uh, until the until he dunked on, on Jason Tatum, and then that changed everything. Or until Jason Tatum dunked on LeBron, and that changed everything. But Jason Tatum, again, we talk about guys who's had a heck of a season, not just a heck of a season, but heck of a playoff run so far. But we're just going to check the regular season. Played 76 games this season, had the best plus-minus of anybody by a long shot plus 667 plus minus which is just absolutely insane that's basically like averaging plus 12 every single game which is way above average average is about plus six plus seven a game and he is well above that uh look his stat line ends in the season 20, 27 points a game eight rebounds four assists uh average is still a game as well shooting about 45 percent which okay whatever Three-point shot at 35%. But for a guy who's a mellow impersonator, this is – I'll take 45% from a mellow impersonator. Like, a guy who is just pure volume. When it gets in his hands, you trust him to score. And that's what he does. I mean, he does it well. You see it in the playoffs. I mean, when he was on fire, he's taking heat check shots with dudes in his face and he's fading away. And it's just like, no, you shouldn't be able to hit. Oh, yeah, you're going to hit that. All right, that's what it – you know what? You do you, Jason. Like, I'm not going to stop you. And this is a guy, again, you talk about guys I've been hard on in their careers. Jason Tatum is probably, like, top three in this list of guys I've been just super hard on. And just, like, I, I, can't, I can't deny it. Like, this guy has had a fantastic season. He is one of the best players in the world. If you went to the Olympics right now, this is the guy you want leading your team. 100%. And when he's hitting his threes, good luck everybody else, too. Sometimes he shoots some at a high, higher volume you'd like. Like, you'll have, like, those two of nine nights from three. But if he can get you, like, four of nine, something like that, Good luck, everybody else. He's getting 40. You just have to hope he doesn't yeah. get 50. Yeah, and, and on top of that, if he gets to the free throw line, he's giving you 85% free throw shooting. So you foul him at your own own peril. Like, is that really the guy you want to foul and, and try to put on the line at any point in time? No. Like, and he's going to attack you and make you foul him. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Jason Tatum. He, 
And in the new rules, he doesn't he's never been a guy that fell into the old rules rule skate where you know he he falls for the play action or the the pump fakes and you know flailing about like James Harden. He's a guy that's always been a guy who plays through physicality. So it didn't change his it didn't change his 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 play style when that rule change out came out. It actually probably helped him to get even better and get legit fouls now. So gotta give Jason Jason Tatum credit. He's a big reason why this the Celtics team is where they're at. But you know, I could talk about the Celtics team for a while. But I'm gonna I'm gonna digress. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. But so that's Jason at four. And now I got a lot of international flavor in, uh, ahead of me. So starting at number three, I talked about I'd love to see the matchup of Jason Tatum and this guy in the finals, and that's Luka Doncic. Luka right now, 28.4 points a game, nine rebounds, 8.7 assists, 65 games this season. Again, 45, 46% free, uh, from the field, 35, the exact same percentage as LeBron and Jason Tatum at 35%. Give you 75% from the free throw line plus 146 on the season, plus minus. Look, I, if you just watch this guy play, and you can't tell me he's not one of the best players in the, in the world right now because he's doing it without Tim Hardaway with sporadic help from Jalen Brunson. And God forbid Dorian Finney-Smith wants to help out once in a while, and the ghost of Spencer Dinwiddie decides he wants to come back from his Bitcoin hell and decide to deliver some points. That'll help. That That's the only help he gets, and so that doesn't happen very often. And when they so do, Luka, they win by 40 when they do show yeah. up too. Yeah, exactly. They do. They, they literally walk the dog on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But if they don't, then it's literally, you know, Luca backing down, not just backing down, completely dominating the next great big man in our league in DeAndre Ayton, completely dominating him down low, just absolutely abusing the man as he's backing him down. Not fair. That's not fair. Your point guard should not be able to abuse a seven footer. This shouldn't happen. But Luca's out there doing it. Then he'll hit the Dirk fadeaway. At the same time, he's backing you down. Oh, and if that's not good enough, he'll shoot Steph Curry range from night, all night from three, and he'll hit him at a great clip. And that's just, that's the difference between him and Trey Young. Trey Young shoots from that range; he doesn't hit him. Lucas shoots from that range, knocks him down, and he does it regularly. And he'll do it off the spin. He'll do it off a jab step. He'll do it off a step back. Like it doesn't make sense when Luca does it, but he does it so well. It's kind of ridiculous, and and we're talking about a guy who grew up in a league playing where they 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 could literally camp the lane in hmm. Euro basketball. They could camp the lane and completely shut down everything. And now you're going to give this six foot whatever monolith who moves well, he doesn't move very quickly, but he moves efficiently. He, he moves smoothly through the lane, and there's not going to be a center standing down in the middle of the lane to block his shot. Yeah, one hundred percent. Let Luca go dominate night in and night out when you want to. So. That's why I got Luca at three. That's, I mean, I feel like he's deserved it at this point in time. I love me some Luca. I'll talk a little about Luca when I do my list. Spoiler Luca will make my list at some point as well, too. So I'll, I'll save my commentary on that to let you get the two and one. Yeah. And, and again, by the way, Luca, another guy who I've been very harsh on in his career. That actually started uh, off our podcast. Is it one of our starting, one of our early episodes? Is you saying Luca, Luca? And then from that point on, Luca has been on a 90 degree trajectory. If Luca wants to come on the show, I could explain myself. <laughs> and. Uh, if he did watch that and that's what made him become great, you're welcome, Luca. I'm glad I could help your career become greatness. Um, I'll say you're, that. You're going to you're gonna have to go to a chiropractor to fix your arms after that stretch you just had right there. Hey, man, uh, you know what? I do what I can. I'm, I'm glad I already go because I must be out of luck right now. Uh, but number two, all right. Again, I said international flair. And again, another guy I've been harsh on right here. Um, and I usually end up picking the opposite of, of him. For a lot of things, but this season again, I, I can't. At this point in time, if I if I ignore him, I'm just being Stephen A. Smith, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be Stephen A. Smith. Um, and that is Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid right now, number two player in the world, in my opinion, and he has just been so so dominant. I talked about he fell off a cliff in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. But we're also looking at regular season stats, and and this guy averaged oh I don't know thirty point six points, eleven point seven rebounds, and four point two assists a game. To go along with over one still a game and one block per game. And on top of that, shooting about 50% from the field. And, oh, by the way, 37.1% from three. From your center. I'm sorry, what? And he's giving you 81% from the from the free throw line. And, again, I'm just throwing the plus minus out there for the fun of it. Plus 367, top 15 in the league. I, I mean, you can't ask for much more. The only center above him in plus minus was Nikola Jokic. He won the MVP. However, 
None of those other stats was Nikola Jokic ahead of him except for assists per game. So take that for what it's worth. I've usually been the guy that leans towards Nikola Jokic because of how the Nuggets are, but this year the the Sixers are so much worse, and he's doing it all without the without any help. <coughs> and you take into consideration the injuries. I mean, how many times have we seen this man with a freaking mask on, hmm. playing like Batman out there because he has to? Because nobody, nobody, if he doesn't show up, nobody else on the team is going to show up and help help him win. And and that's kind of the problem that that you run out and run out there with with Embiid is it almost looked like a business decision in the playoffs to fall off. But to that point, who, I, I, who else has done more with less in this season? I, I, I really can't think of anybody who did more with less surrounding. The closest Embiid. would be Trey Young, who led the league in points and assists, but it translated to no wins considering John Collins disappeared and Clint Capella disappeared. Like those are the two. Clo- that's the only closest thing I can think yeah. of when we look at it, really. And one of them was a play and got bounced in round one. One of them was honestly injuries away from maybe advancing round two. We have no idea and should have been MVP. We agree on that one. So. Interesting yeah. to see Joel beat at your number two spot. I respect it as well, too. Give some love to the big man who still shoots too many damn threes for my liking. Just because you hit him at 37%, I don't need you to shoot, shoot and step back Kobe fadeaway threes now. Not as much as Carl Anthony Towns. Not that no. bad, but Carl's hitting him at 41%, so I leave a lean a little bit back. Joel, you're too good down low to be that far away from the bucket. You know, I'm glad you started. You said that because this is going to be a perfect segue into my number one pick. Oh, I and my number one pick is a guy who shoots 3.6 three-pointers three a game. And hits 29.3% of them, and it somehow always manages to be the clutch ones. So you're telling you guys me know, 3.6 is too many threes per game. Yeah, I was saying, if you guys listened to any of our, our ColorCast broadcasts last season, you already know who we're going to talk about, and that is Giannis. Giannis, no, is a catch line from our, our ColorCast games, every time we did a Bucks game, of him stepping into a three-point shot, and get, just, no. Like, mm. you know what? So be it. He hits him now at one third of a of a, of a pace. Like, all right, I don't like it, but you know what? It's it works for him somehow. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, he gave you thirty points a game, twenty nine point nine to be exact, and eleven point six rebounds, five point eight assists in sixty seven games. And here's the reason this guy is 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 my number one. In the last three seasons, he's given me MVP awards, he's given me Defensive Player of the Year awards, and he's given you MVP Finals awards. Oh, and by the way, he just so happens to be an NBA finals champion in the last three seasons and he is a injured Chris Middleton away from getting to that next step again and you talk about a guy who really played above his coaching his entire career in my opinion I think Giannis has played above his coaching his entire career talk about Jason Kidd era that wasn't that great he was literally bringing the ball up the court and you're like please no please stop well they got Budenholzer in and despite Budenholzer last season in that odd play calling of his they managed to win a title i think i think really in large part to Giannis just being like get on my back let's see what happens and plus on top of that you talking to you know everything he brings to the game and just the fun of watching Giannis play like what are we going to see next from Giannis? it seems it seems like this the 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 thing of watching Giannis's games is like what is the silly thing he's going to do pull off it in game that just like works but it looks so awkward because the guy let's not forget this guy started playing basketball at 16 He's 26 right now. He's been playing for less than a, or just over a decade, or just at a decade now. Like, and he's still growing into his game. He's still growing into his body. Like, you see the the man he is now from the day he he walked in, in, the, in the NBA. He went from a twig to a guy that can give you buckets in a heartbeat. And then he's still growing into his body as we're, as we're talking about him. And we're still three years, I think three years more of his prime. And I've asked this question multiple times, but, at this point in time in his career, I don't think we've seen a more effectively awkward and great player at the same time. Like, I don't think at 27, 26, LeBron, MJ, I don't think they were this good because of the talent they had around him. They didn't have to be this good. Giannis has made himself into something that is so freakish, and he also has the height to do it. So it's like you add in that effect to it. But, man, Giannis is I, – I right now, if I'm looking at a matchup – I don't want anyone. I don't. I could have the best defensive player in the world, which ironically might be Giannis as well. But I could have the best defensive player in the world, and who I don't want him to match up with, it's going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo, because the only thing he needs to to work on is that mid range floater, and his passing game. He needs to become more of a facilitator at times, because sometimes he gets too locked in on going into the paint. And once he does that, 
I'm sorry. Uh, stop them at your own apparel. At your own apparel. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how you're going to do it because I there's not a way to really stop a freight train six foot ten spitting gyro <laughs> out of Greece. Like, you don't just do that. No, he's absolutely sensational as well too. And uh, spoiler, he's going to make my list as well too. So I'm going to go and just start cranking in mind. Quite the list there. I am impressed. That few names you left off that surprised me. Before we jump into mine, give us one honorable mention. One honorable mention. I'm going to say Jokic, and that's just yeah. I mean, you can't be a two-time MVP and not be at least considerate of a of a position on this list. And it all just comes down to this team. Um, that's that's why I didn't put him up here. Absolutely. Well, I might not have four honorable mentions, but I'm only going to name one of them because I'm not going to break the rules. And I'm the cheater. Hold on. Hold on. I'm the cheater. You give me hey, one honorable mention. Like, hey, I, got four. I, did, I just said I'm not breaking the rules, though, because I'm only naming one. I'm saying I have four <laughs> names listed down, but I'm picking one. I'm picking Jimmy Butler for my honorable mention. Not because of his regular season, but because playoff Jimmy is so dominant and so incredible. The way he takes over games, what he did in game one, 27 second half points, 41 total. We saw him cook in the first round. We saw him destroy the Sixers. Defensively, offensively, he's learned how to play make. He can shoot better now. And we already know he's about he's got the dog in him more than probably anybody else in the playoffs as well, too. Like what he the ability to do everything at a high level when he gets cooking. Give me Jimmy Butler as an honorable mention just outside the top five. But now going into the top five. Number five, I'm gonna go and jump with your honorable mention. I'm going with Nikola Jokic sitting at number five. Back to back MVP. Fantastic the best passing big man we've seen since Tim Duncan. Fantastic scores, still averaging 28 points. Fantastic rebounder at about 12. Does just about everything that you could want, except defensively. The point, the fact that they have to take him out on defense and clutch time sometimes is the reason he's not higher. Because everything else about him screens top two player in the world, MVP, all that sort of stuff. But the fact that defensively they've taken him out again in the playoff game, they took him out in those final couple of possessions because he's not a liability, but he's limited. He's too, he's a plotter, I guess, if that makes sense as well. He can't move, he can't move in space, he can't. He's not a big-time rim protector. Like He's just very limited defensively. But offensively, he's literally your point center forward. He does a little bit of everything for you. They run the offense through him. I think the stats are inflated because the team is missing Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and those kind of guys. So the stats inflate, especially those advanced stats. But still, back-to-back MVPs, we've seen – you've watched it with your eyes. He could do everything. He he gets number five on my spot despite those nitpicks as well too. So Nikola Jokic cracking the top five. We still agree, though, should have been Joel Embiid as the MVP this year. This was an MVP year for for Embiid. Yeah, honestly, I think if LeBron doesn't average 30 points a game, I probably do put Jokic in my list uh, because I do still appreciate Jokic. I just – it's that defense, man. That I just – I need something from him defensively. I need, like – I need more than just affected shots. Like, I need something more. And then I need a Kevin Love effect is, is what I need. Like, OG Kevin Love, Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Love. I need a little bit of that. Like, he wasn't dominant defensively. But he was a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Like you can be a nuisance, Nikola Jokic. You're not inefficient. I need, I need fewer temper tantrums too when things aren't going yeah. well or when you're upset. With I need fewer. Temper yeah, a little bit, a little bit less that. At least Boogie never fully put hands on people to the same degree as well too. He just got oh, really well. close. To him. <laughs> he got really, really close. He, he tried. He I, think, I think I think I think he tried more times than 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 they they showed on TV. Exactly. He he just got ejected before the hands came out because as soon as he talked, it was over. But so yeah. I have him at number five. Number four, I'm keeping the international flavor similar to you. I got Luka Doncic there for almost the exact same reasons. He could do everything offensively, but defensively, he's kind of he's he's a nuisance. He can give you the nuisance. He can, he can get those steals on occasion. He had more steals than Mikhail Bridges in this last series. He can play the passing lanes. He can't really guard anybody. You can blow right by him at ease. When his three-point shot is falling, which he's he is young LeBron at three-point. He is so streaky. When he's feeling it, he's hitting those turnaround threes like he did in game seven and laughing at people. But that starts when he can get that mid-range, that turnout, that turnaround shot going. He's posting up DeAndre Ayton. He's blowing by Chris Paul. He is stealing the ball from Devin Booker. He offensively, he's an absolute juggernaut, especially when his threes are falling and his free throws are feeling good. Once he just I think once the shooting gets a little bit rounded out, he's gonna climb this list even better. He's a future multiple time MVP. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. And honestly, if I'm betting on the Warriors, I'm nervous about that man because they have nobody on the roster that can truly check him. Andrew Wiggins, a really good defender this year, elevated his game. He's got nothing for that. Steph, Clay, even Clay pre-injuries. I don't, I don't like that matchup for Clay. He's just that's a that's a tough man yeah. to guard. Draymond, maybe Draymond could nuisance him a little bit, but I, I don't think he's in open it's, space. That's that's a tough one. You're pulling Draymond away from the basket, which means a cutting Powell's going to dunk all over Jordan Poole. So this is a tough matchup for the Warriors if, when Luca's on his game. So give me Luca at number four as well too. I, 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 I like me some Luca. 
you know, I, to your point about the Warriors, I think I think it's it's going to be a showcase game or showca- showcase series for Jonathan Kaminga. He's going to be put on a put in a spotlight. Like he's going to have to man up one on one with Luca a lot, and I think that's going to de- determine the series. If obviously that's that's a lot to put on a young kid's shoulders, but I mean, he's the only one physically that can match up right there, and and that's what Luca brings dynamic. Like again, we're not talking about a guy who's fast by any means. He doesn't Ooh. play above a phone book. No. But you know what he does is he's efficient and he's smooth and his his moves are so just like it's silky it's it's like it's like the old uh, oh man the old chocolate milk commercials hmm. you know just that silky smooth chocolate milk the velveteen you know that's the uh, chocolate oval team yeah there you go so that's uh you know it's it, it's how smooth he is offensively and it just doesn't make sense and and to your point just be a nuisance he is exactly what I want Jokic to do defensively just just be a nuisance you have long arms you have you're effective like. Just use them. Just do the Chris Paul effect. Just kind of sneak your way around and just, oh, I got that. Thank you. Especially as a big man where you don't have to chase perimeter players. Luca's got to get better stay in front of people since he plays on the perimeter. I just need I need a little bit more. If he can just elevate his defense a little bit, yeah. he just can't be the traffic cone. That's all. I just can't have him be the traffic cone. Once he gets that up, yeah. sky's the limit. So number three is a guy who is not a traffic cone by any means, and he's a guy that he looks like he might be making first team all defense here within the next few years. I'm putting Jason Tatum at number three. And – while this might feel like prisoner of the moment, all that sort of thing as well, too, we saw in round one, he deed up Kevin Durant and made his life miserable and still got buckets on his own. Round two against Giannis, the best, one of the best players in the world. You had Kevin and Giannis, two of the best. He went one up. He didn't really go one-on-one with Giannis because they built a wall. They just kind of mm-hmm. rotated top defenders on him. But Jason Tatum, when he counted 40 points in game six, what was it, 30 in game seven, every time they needed buckets, Jason Tatum was the guy. He found a way to get it, three-point shots. That step in mid-range game, when he does do that, when he just comes off a pick, steps into a mid-range game, so smil- silky smooth, so beautiful. My, my favorite thing with Jason Tatum is everyone wants to compare Devin Booker to Kobe. They're infatuated with that idea. Devin Booker is a fantastic mid-range shooter, but he is he has very, very limited athletic abilities. How are we going to put that as well? Too? He's a, and, and a professional athlete, but he's not flying. He's not dunking on people, really. He's not co- not like what Kobe was doing. Jason Tatum can do that because he's bigger and more athletic. So he is able to dunk on people. Remember rookie Jason Tatum posterizing LeBron James. He can fly through. He's got the mid-range game. Jason Tatum has more of that Kobe game to me than even Devin Booker does with a little bit of Carmelo as far as their high-volume scorers that if you let them get shooting, they may start 4 of 10, but real quickly they'll end up being 10 of 20 and have 30 points on you in a heartbeat. So you got to let Jason Tatum shoot through it sometimes. But I think he has a lot of those emulations of, Carmelo Bryant or Kobe Kobe Anthony, however you want to put them together. I think he has a lot of that in a modern-day build as well. And he adds so much on that defensive end, as I was just talking about. That's where I have the Kobe comparison is he adds both of them too. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you, I, I guess we can call him Hoodie uh, Hoodie Kobe, Hoodie like Mamba. Hoodie, hoodie Mamba. Mamba, that's a good one. There yeah, hoodie, hoodie Mamba. Uh, but no, and on top of that, like you mentioned Kobe, and I think, that, I think that's a great comparison because I don't look at just the offensive game of Kobe. I look at that defensive game of Kobe as well. Jason Tatum. Has a lot of that dog in him, that number eight dog, that number number eight. I'm going to shut you down because I'm an athletic freak. He hasn't yet learned to find find attunements of defense, which is what the number twenty four Kobe was doing at in the later part of his career when he wanted to shut somebody down. The dude did it with ease, mm-hmm. and I think number eight Kobe is where he's at right now. He's very very close to getting to the number twenty four Kobe defensively, but I think that's that's a part of his game as well that's kind of underrated that. When you make that Kobe comparison, you also have to add that Kobe defense, and he's he's very very close to being an exact replica of that defensively too. Absolutely, and on top of that, he has gotten really really effective at passing it. When they did bring the double teams, he's kicking it to Pritchard, kicking it to Grant Williams, kicking it to guys like that, and getting into open shooters as well. So he's a very very advanced small forward who plays like a two guard as well. So he is a few people forget he was a starter on the East All Star team. I know it was because Kevin was hurt. Like he was the next guy. Like he was the next guy there. He is fantastic, and he well, he was only a couple thousand votes away from being the starter, anyways. Exactly, and he's what twenty four years old too. He's got twenty three years old. He's got plenty of time. I think he is right now hitting his stride. And look out for him next year. And this year's not even over. They could still easily win this series as well too. It's a tough matchup, but he look out for him. I'm putting him at number three. Prison of the moment, maybe a little bit, but I think he has more than earned it as well too. I mean, as nineteen year old, he was taking on LeBron head to head. Now he's taking on Kevin Durant, taking on Giannis, taking on. All these guys that had to head to head in the bubble, which was the bubble, they were taking on the heat early and they were a bam block shot, which completely flipped momentum away as well, too. So Jason Tatum put, put him in number three, book it for me. Number two, I'm going with the OG. I'm going Kevin Durant. He was injured a lot this year. 
the last time we saw him, he did struggle with that Celtics defense. He was he turned into a high volume shooter in that final game because he had to to get his points, but he was really really struggling. He still can score from anywhere on the court. Last when we saw him in the playoffs last year, fresh off the Achilles, he's a big toe away from advancing past the future world champion Bucks while playing all forty seven minutes or whatever it was as well too. He's still that dude. I think he's hamstrung with Steve Nash as the coach and just some of the things going on in Brooklyn. I think he's a little hamstrung, but as far as the dude that can just get buckets, you look at size for the position, check. Shot making ability, check. Dr- handles, check. Defensive ability, pretty much check. I, like He's not locking people down, but he's he's doing more than enough. He's getting in the way and he's blocking shots as a help defender. And he can still pass the ball. He checks every box, even though last time we saw him, he struggled. I, I have trouble taking him out, taking him too far down, just for if that makes sense as well. So he's got to stay healthy, though. These injuries have kind of done a number on him the last couple of years. And then number one, surprise, surprise, we both have Giannis up here, too. He has no left hand. He has no mid-range game. He shoots 29% from three. He shoots like 70% from the free throw line. And he's still this dominant. He has so many holes in his game, and there's still no answer to stop him. If he could get a left-handed layup and just just step inside the free throw line, pick it up with one hand and flick your wrist, that, that, that type of floater, so you don't have to run to the wall, you won't be able to stop him. He's absolutely incredible. He's the first player to have 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a playoff series. And he did that in the losing effort against the Celtics. He laid it all out there in what was a series that he quote-unquote played bad in because the shooting percentages kind of took a hit because he kept having to run into the wall. And he did a damn good job of it. He did a, He's a sensational talent, everything you mentioned. And then what gives him the edge is defensively, maybe the th- top three defensive player in the game as well, too, on top of it. like he, there's So like him and Kevin are both like one, they're both right up there, but Giannis gets the edge because of what he could do defensively, as well as, once he patches a few holes, good luck, everybody else. It's hard enough to yeah. stop him now, and all he can do is right-handed lips and right-handed ducks. Imagine what happens when he can do a left-handed finger roll or a floater. The game's over. Yeah, it's crazy to think about with Giannis. But I want to go back to your KD conversation, because obviously I left KD off my list, and he wasn't even my honorable mention. Uh, I, the reason why is those injuries. And, and and because, yeah, prisoner of the moment, maybe. But when you talk about the best player in the world right now, I don't know what he's going to look like coming off of all these injuries, especially since when we saw him. It was like I got to jack up shots. It was it was a KD we have never seen before. It wasn't even like we're not even talking like pre-draft KD or Texas KD. Like I've never seen a KD that played like that. It was very inefficient because he couldn't. Yeah. It was a struggle to get those shots. Yeah, I've, I've I've never had to see him play like that. So I don't know what he's going to look like going forward. So I didn't want to put him on this list and like, you know, day one he comes back, he's just like I'm retired, guys. Like oh that ruins my list. Like <laughs> just like that. Like. I already make, I already make pick enough bad lists. I didn't want to like ruin my list with KD, uh, but I respect the choice of KD because obviously, like you said, uh, a big toe away from getting to the finals. I will also say too, with how highly I have KD, is also part of the reason why I have Jason Tatum so high because of what Jason Tatum did in making his life so yeah. miserable in that series when he was the primary on ball defender while getting buckets of his own. That is, I would use that as a elevation of Jason Tatum as what with a smaller knock on Kevin Durant because it also helps that that team chemistry was absolute dog. You know what? Considering yeah. James that James Harden mess, the Kyrie Irving situation, Kevin Durant's injuries, and Steve Nash as a coach, love him as the point guard as a coach. Eh, eh, they, they, you got to drop a play here, or there. You got to do something. It can't just be your turn, my turn, ISO ball every single time with no defense whatsoever. I mean, so I it, it's tough. I get what you're saying as well too. I just until I fully see it, I refuse to take Kevin off. If that makes sense, that's how it was with me and LeBron the last couple of years as well. Too. It's like until I fully. It, it, it took a little, it took basically LeBron sitting against so many of those good teams down the stretch and then picking on the Pelicans and some of those other teams to get his 30. That's when I kind of pulled him off as it felt like he was picking and choosing a few games down the stretch. No, he was hurt. When you play one game, skip the next one against the playoff team, then play the game after that against Portland without Damon Lillard. It's like interesting. You feel pretty, you feel good enough for them, but you don't feel quite good enough for them. I counter that by saying when you played as well as he has for how long he's played at, at this level, you get to kind of get a pick and choose in this day and age. You're welcome your... to do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it either. I'm just saying it's hard for me to put you in a top five after yeah. I'm seeing Luca, Jason Tatum, and Jokic and these guys doing right now as well too. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely don't like it. I'm of the Kobe mentality of like when he was like, I don't want to sit out games because I'm here for the fans. Like the fans want to watch me when I go to away games. You know, and, and I think I'm of that mentality as well where I think LeBron, if like, – you're, you're let's be honest LeBron's kind of in this twilight of his career like there's no doubt about it like he's at the tail end of his career I think once his son gets in the league Bronny gets in the league it's probably two years and he's done but he's at the twilight where he's going to be visiting some state some some arena soon for the last time 
And I think that's a part of it that we all kind of have. Like, I think he even has to consider, like, maybe he does start sitting out the home games and playing those some of these away games. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we had so many good players and only five spots to choose them. So some people had to unfortunately get left off. But that will do it for our main event. So real quickly in the twilight of our show, we're going to jump right on into crunch time presented as well, too. And you know what, Kelsey? I'm just going to I'm going to just do this one really quickly. Some interesting moves in football, but the one that stands out to me, James Bradbury, free agent from the Giants, signing with the Eagles. Now staying in division. What are your thoughts on that team with Darius Slay? Deadliest cornerback duo in the league right now on paper. They might just be. I mean, the, there's not very many others that are going to compete with that. Maybe Stephon Gilmore and Kenny Moore. Maybe maybe something like that. But even that's kind of maybe Xavier Howard and Byron Jones still. But it's still a bit of J.C. Jackson and uh, what's Asante Samuel Jr. It's a it's a t- it's a tough class, and that's going to be as maybe, far as experienced corners. I think I think experienced corners goes. I think that's the easily the hard the toughest to break down right now. Absolutely. And you know what? The NFC East is always up for grabs. So we'll see if maybe the Eagles could take that next step, bring it bring it in Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, and now. You see James Bradbury, so that should be quite the defense. Well, that will do it for us here today. We thank you all so much for tuning in with us. Check out us every Thursday as well, too, right? Or every Wednesday, excuse me, right here. Check the audio on Thursday as well, too. Appreciate you all spending some time with us. We'll see you guys again next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.